Hey, church family, nice to be able to see you. So, you come to a preacher and you say to him, preach a sermon on what's so amazing about scripture. Seriously, we could be here all day. We, we won't be, but we could be. I mean, the, 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 the idea that came to mind was kid in a candy store. I mean, it's that. I, the Bible has been part of my life since I was a child, and it's been part of my whole professional life. And so, so to be given this reminded me of the time when, when my children, I was preaching in Free Baptist, and after the service, um, somebody came to me and said, listen, I used an illustration about my kids liking sweets, and he said, listen, I own the local kids' uh, sweets from heaven, I want you to take your children there and they can have anything they want. And I took them there and Colin and I were good parents and we told the manager who we'd been sent by and so we said to the kids, collect. And we said, just behave yourself. You know, don't embarrass your parents. You can just take a little bit. And then the manager arrived, the guy who told me, the owner, and he said, no, 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 that's not what I said. I said they can have anything they want. And they left with brown paper packets like that. That's how I feel when I'm asked to preach a sermon on what's so amazing about Scripture. And so I had some really hard decisions to make this morning. What am I not going to say had much more to do with what I'm going to say than what am I going to say. So please be patient with me. I'm not going to keep here all day because, because I could, but I don't want to. I want you to send you away with one thing this morning, and it's this. What's so amazing about Scripture? There's always more. There is always more. You see, there has to be, because Scripture is the word of an infinite God, of an almighty God, of an all-knowing God, of an all-wise God. And if that's who our God is, then how can his word be limited? And so this morning, I, I want us to interact with this one thing about Scripture, that it is it is something where there is always more. But you see, the problem is we don't always see the more. It's there. It's there in front of us. For those of us who can read, it's printed, we can read it. For those of us who can see, we can, can see it. For those of us who can, we can... But somehow we don't ever reach the end of it. And, and, and I'd like to know why. And I'd like us perhaps to leave here this morning going, I, I saw more today. I saw more. Just like this man, who we're going to watch in a moment, who's 60 years old, and has lived in a world where there was all sorts of things for him to see, and he never saw them. Look what happens to him when he suddenly does see them. So why don't you watch the screen?
Happy birthday, baby. Come on with us. Happy birthday. Put them on. Put them on. Put sunglasses. How does it look? Oh, that's weird. Look at the balloons. <laughs> Can you see with our eyes now, baby? Can you, what colors you see? Those. You see colors now? Oh, the trees are neat. <laughs> 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 now you have rose colored glasses, baby. Now you see with our eyes. Do you like the balloons? Turn around, what about the flowers on the house? <laughs> oh my goodness. It doesn't look like mud. <laughs> it looks like brighter mud. So don't you love that? He's colorblind. And for the first time in his life, he's seen color. But, but you notice they want him to look at the balloons. He doesn't really want to look at the balloons. He just wants to look at all the things that have always been there and looked like mud. And now they don't. And, and that's, you see, that's how scripture is. It's all there. It's all there. It's all God's word. It's all the story of God. But we go through our lives not seeing so much for all sorts of reasons. And this morning, I want us just to grapple a little bit with how we can see more. How we can see those things that perhaps we thought were never there, but are there. Because this is God's word. And there is always more. Problem is, it's actually quite easy to miss out on the more. It's quite easy to get ourselves restricted and to end up just going with a narrow thing. Even being colorblind, you know, has some advantages. I'm sure you can probably get yourself out of a traffic fine at a robot, probably. I, I don't know. I'm not colorblind. But I do know that in the Air Force, they used to recruit colorblind guys so that they could find camouflage troops because camouflage, traditional camouflage, doesn't fool colorblind people. They can see the stuff that's supposed to be hidden. So it has some advantages. Sometimes we find ourselves missing out. And I just want to... Just name a few reasons why we miss out. I don't want to go into too much depth here because there's lots I want to get to later on. But often we miss out because of fear. We, we, 
Sometimes when we come to God's word, we are filled with fear and we miss out. Sometimes that fear is based on the fact that, we are, that we've been told, if you get this wrong, God will be angry with you. It's almost as if people want to tell us that, that this is what saves us. That we get saved by, by believing the right things in the Bible. We don't. We don't get saved by doctrine. We get saved by Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. That's what saves us, through faith. Not because we believe the right things about a whole lot of things, but because we believe the right thing about one thing, and that is Jesus, the savior of the world. That doesn't mean doctrine isn't incredibly important. It is, but so often we are taught, either by ourselves or the circumstance around that you better get this right, otherwise you're in big trouble. That, that's often pushed by people who want to control others. I want to say this, that Jesus came into the world and God gave his word not to make us prisoners, but to set us free. That's what the Bible says. It teaches us that. that. Jesus taught that. And so if, if you're afraid, if, if your fear is putting you in a prison when it comes to God's word, please, please find a way of overcoming your fear. Sometimes it's easy to miss because of ignorance. We just don't know how. We just don't know how. The, the, the word of God is amazing. Scripture was written over thousands of years by all sorts of different kinds of people in all sorts of genres and in at least three different languages, none of which are alive today. And so there's stuff there that's sometimes hard. We don't know how. Sometimes we, we look at something and take it literally when actually the Bible clearly shows it's not meant to be literal. It's meant to be figurative or apocalyptic or something like that. But, but ignorance can be overcome. We can learn. We can learn. That's why we get put together, so that we can learn from each other. I can remember once studying my third year uh, um, sociology textbook when I, when, I, when I was supposed to be studying, but I was at a rowing camp, and I took my book with me just to pretend, you know, you know. And one of the chemical engineers, who we all know are absolute boffins, was looking at this book and going, John, uh, this thing is just rubbish. He says, I can't understand it. Uh, which, uh, I don't know which are nouns and which are verbs. He was much cleverer than me, but I knew how to read a sociology textbook because I'd learned how to read it. Sometimes we don't see them all just because we're lazy. It's because I just don't want to go and look. I've got other things to do. I've got better things to do. I've got more exciting things to do. And, and, and you can't find them all if you're just more lazy to look. Sometimes we miss them more because we live in an individualistic world. And so we do it on our own. It's, it's so incredibly important not to think you can do all of the study of Scripture on your own. We must study Scripture on our own. We must. But this idea that, that I can do it on my own is, is, is a recipe for disaster. Because number one, you as an individual are susceptible to error. We all are. And so we can end up reading this thing the way we want. And the truth is none of us have the same capacity. I am never going to be a Greek scholar, <laughs> ever. 
But there are other people that have it. And I must spend time with them so that they can help me. And so we miss out on the more because of fear, of ignorance, of laziness, and of individualism. But I don't want to focus on the negative this morning. I want to focus on the positive. I want to say that for every single one of us, more is possible. It's not just possible, it's what God wants for us from his amazing word. And so I I want to give us some lessons that scripture teaches us on how to discover the more in scripture, learning to find the more. It starts with us changing our minds. We've got to learn to change our minds. We've got to learn to change our minds about this, about what we mean when we say God's word or scripture. We've got to understand that this isn't simply a book. It is a book. It is a book, and that's important. But it's much, much more than a book. It is the book. It is, it is written, well, let's read. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says this. All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. Now, usually we use that passage to make people listen to the Bible because it's where we get our doctrine of what scripture is about. We say that the Bible is authoritative. Why? Because it comes from God. But there's a second part to breath. You see, breath is what gives life. Breath is what gives life. And God didn't just breathe scripture. He also breathed creation. He breathed into human beings and made them different to the rest of the animal kingdom by putting his spirit into them. And that doesn't mean what we know in our brain about God is is better than what's there. It's just different. And and, and the Bible is our final written authority on things because we humans, we need a standard outside of ourselves. But we have to understand that this is the breath of God. This is much more than simply a book with amazing stories in it. It's God giving life to us. It's God giving life to the world. It's God telling us his story. Not giving us his textbook, but telling us his story. And we must change our minds to know that when we interact with Scripture, it's not just a book. It is God's life-giving breath to us. Not only must we change our minds, but we also need to change our hearts. As we approach God's word, we need to decide who's in charge. I don't know if you were in last week or heard last week's sermon, but Taryn said something really interesting. He said, sometimes I've read God's word and I've felt further away from him than before. Instead of feeling close, I felt further away. What's that about? Well, you see, sometimes we end up reading things there that we actually don't want to hear. We discover things that don't fit our worldview. And if we approach Scripture to go, I'm going to filter this through my own authority, we're in trouble. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I know enough about myself to know that I shouldn't have ultimate control of anything. Because I know the kind of human being I am. I can be really, really good, but when I'm bad, I can be horrid. I mean, that's just the truth. And, and, and it, this will just remain a book as long as, as we approach it with this is me. I get to decide what needs to be here and what doesn't. But just as much, we also have to decide that other people aren't in charge. Many Christians end up stumbling because they've heard some doctrine preached or they've heard, or, or their favorite preacher, who may be brilliant and may get so much right, begins to say things like, don't listen to other preachers, just listen to me. I, I, I am a preacher, just so you know. I know lots of other preachers. I don't know one of us that gets it right 100% of the time. And so when somebody begins to project that idea that, that they know the answer and other people don't, I get really nervous. I just do. Even if 90% of it, what they're saying is right, it's that thing of I'm in charge. I know what this is about. I have a secret knowledge that the rest of you don't. You see, John 16, 13 tells us it's not you in charge. It's not some clever preacher out there that's in charge. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. You see, who's in charge? God is in charge. This is God's word, and God is going to use his spirit to help you understand what is being said when you don't understand it. We've got to submit ourselves to God being in charge here. And of course he uses human beings. Of course God's spirit talks to all sorts of people. But this idea that because somebody studied this particular thing or, or knows that particular thing, they are suddenly the authority, this passage tells us that the Spirit is the authority, that the Spirit of God is the authority, and it also tells us that, that later on that this Spirit is in every single one of the children of God. Luke eleven twenty eight, Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. What does that say? That you and I, our job is to be obedient to God's word. Not to judge over it, but to obey it. It's, it's so that we hide God's word in our heart, so that we don't sin against God. We've got to get over the fact that we're not in charge. God is. And then finally, once that mindset change has begun to take root in our hearts, let me tell you, this is not a one-off change. These two changes are going to be with you for your whole life. You're going to have to keep making these decisions like a marriage. If you're going to have a good marriage, you have to keep deciding that every day, not just once at a nice event. Let's look at some of the methods that perhaps we need to change. And I want to 
use words that the Bible uses about how we interact with God's word. The first word is hearing. We need to perhaps change our method of hearing. You see, so often we listen, but we don't hear. How many of you have gotten into trouble with somebody you love because they've spoken and you haven't listened? I see you couples looking at each other. I see it. And the idea is that, that because of our change of mind, because we know God's in charge, when, when he speaks, we're not just hearing, we are listening as well. This hearing of God's word is so incredibly important. Romans 10, 17 says this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So this is such a beautiful moment for me to pause and, and, and warn against literalism. You know, some people want to be so literalistic with the Bible that actually they would, they would exclude our deaf community because the word says hearing. Well, of course that's not what God means. He doesn't mean the only way to hear is by hearing the words. The only way to hear is if somebody's communicating to you and you are open to that communication. It doesn't have to be through your ears. It could be any way. But, but we have to be open to hearing God's word. Oh, I was so happy when audio Bibles came along. I was so happy because I, I, I read slowly. And then just to be able to listen was so great. I, I, I guess it's like when, when somebody in the deaf community learns sign language all of a sudden they've got this brand new way of hearing the word. It's not just hearing, the Bible says. I want to say this to you. Listen for God's word all the time. Don't just come to church to hear it. Don't just take that moment in, in, in your quiet time, but listen for it all the time. Christmas is coming, you're going to hear it mixed in with with materialism in the shops. Try not to get grumpy, okay? Because you don't like them ruining it. Listen for the good ones that come in between. But, but listen for God's word all the time. Even sometimes people speak it and they don't know they're speaking it. Listen. Read. Jesus says this when he's having a debate with a bunch of... Pharisees, he says, haven't you read? Haven't you read? If listening is something we do when somebody else is saying something to us, then reading is something that we do so that we can interact with something somebody said a while ago. Listening can be quite passive. Reading is very active. Let's go there. Let's, let's spend time. Again, I want to encourage you. If you're like me and you're slow at reading, don't worry. It doesn't say if you read it fast, you'll get it. It just says read it. Sometimes it's one verse. Sometimes it's, it's reading aloud. Just change it. Just do something different. Share the reading of God's word with somebody. 
Use different translations to help you hear in a different way. This Bible is one of my new favorites. It is the Bible for the deaf. And I love it because it has made me read the Bible in completely different ways because deaf grammar is different to English grammar. Sign language grammar is completely different. And, and concepts are told differently. And so when I, when I sat down and read this, I'm like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Oh, that's a new insight. Wow, that's amazing. And I, you see, it's not just one way of reading. And if you've got a translation that you can't understand, then here's another one. The translation isn't magic. The Holy Spirit is the power, not the translators. Meditating. Meditating, that's another... I'm going to stop. I'm going to go back to studying. Sorry, uh, I missed that one in the last service. Studying. Listen to what it says in 1 Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, I don't know if you like... Who of you have a positive interaction with the word studying? About three people. You freaks. I mean, you are. Let's just... I mean, I'm not judging you, but you're weird. Because most of us go, no, uh, 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 uh. I am not studying that thing. That thing is too hard because we think of academics when we study. We do. We think of academics. And so we go, well, I can never truly interact with God's word because I can't study it. Did you notice that that passage I read to you didn't have the word study in it? You notice that? And you know why I put that word there? Because it, my brain goes to that word because the King James translated study. It doesn't say that. It says, do your best. Do whatever you can. I want to tell you about my late brother, my repeated standard nine brother, my only just past matric brother, my brother who only ever read anything, well, pretended to read something because the teachers made him read it. But I want to tell you how that oak studied cars, eh? He studied cars. I can remember when I was a kid, he bought an Austin A35. He paid 85 rand for it. He brought it home, and he studied it. You know how he studied it? He took it apart. He disassembled it. He almost killed me in the process. His little brother had to hold the gearbox up one day, and he forgot to be under there, and I nearly got crushed to death. But he studied it. He took it to pieces. He learned about it. You see, when, the, when God's word says we must study it, it doesn't mean we have to go to theological college. It may mean that. But studying scripture is something that is available to every single human being because every single human being has the Holy Spirit in them. And the Holy Spirit empowers us if we are followers of Jesus. And so if, if studying up to this point has been for you, ah, academics, it's not that. It, it can be that, but it can be so much more. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Do your best. 
find out ways to get deep into God's word. And then finally, that word meditating. That's the next method that the Bible says we should use. Now, again, that's one of those words where our brains go to one particular thing, doesn't it? And I want to tell you that if I get, oh, oh look, cool lights we've got in our, if I try to focus, oh, somebody just walked up the stairs there. If I try to focus on, isn't this a nice, do you see what happens when I try to meditate? My brain is everywhere. And so for, for lots of people, they go, oh, this is not, I can't do this. But you see, that's not the only thing Scripture means when it says meditating. Listen to what it says in Joshua 1 verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua is talking to the people that are about to cross into the promised land. He doesn't, he's not saying to them, guys, once you cross into the promised land, go off, find yourself a quiet tree to sit under, find a cave, and take scrolls and just sit there. And you will be prosperous, and you will... He's not saying that. I mean, they've got a whole land to take. They've got battles to fight and wars, and they've got fields to plant and wells to dig. What is he saying? He's saying to them, this must be in you. You must be thinking about this. This must be churning in your mind when you are pl planting the field, when you are going here, when you are doing this, when you are doing that. It must be something that's just inside you. And the way you get it inside you is to interact with it. In Isaiah chapter 31, verse 4, it says this, As a lion growls a great lion over its prey, and though a whole band of shepherds is called together against it, it is not frightened by their shouts or disturbed by their clamor. So the Almighty God will come down to do battle on Mount Zion and on its hearts. Why did I read that scripture? Because that word, lion growling over its prey, is often translated as a meditate. It's the same word in Hebrew. Now, do you have a meditator in your family? Do you have one of those people who takes the bones after the bra and, and eats everything off the bones? Have you got one of those people? We've got one in our family. <clears throat> Maybe that one. What are, what are they doing? They are meditating on that bone. They are getting every little scrap out of it. That's what meditate means. It, it may mean you sit quietly. But it also may mean you sit in a conversation with a group of people and say, what do you think about this? Oh, what about that? Oh, you see, again, none of these things ever gets done all on your own all of the time. Guys, small groups are so incredibly important when it comes to Scripture. A few people around together, grappling, because we read better together, we hear better together, we study better together, and we meditate better together. Now, we must do it on our own, but we must also do it together. Because one of the things that's amazing about Scripture is there's always more. There is always more. Because it is God's Word, the infinite God, 
the maker of heaven and earth. And he gave us his word to show us his son and to show us salvation and to teach us how to live like children of the kingdom of God. And because our God is infinite, his word is infinite, and it will never stop. And the more we spend time with it, the more we grapple with it, study it, listen to it, read it, meditate on it, the more and more we will discover what's so amazing about Scripture is that it is the Word of God. And because it's the Word of God, there is always more. I want us to end by looking for more. I want us to end right now by spending three or four minutes just looking for more. And I'm not going to do it by telling you some things. We're going to do it by us listening to God. Evan is going to play the piano, and we're going to throw up a scripture on the screen. I'm just going to invite you to ask God to tell you something from the passage that we're going to spend three or four minutes on. And perhaps it's something that you've always known was there. But perhaps God is going to tell you something brand new out of this passage of Scripture. And, and that's how we're going to end. Because there's always more. Here's a fun fact. You know, I've kept insisting on this needs to be done together. It's so important. Because I'm going to put a passage up on the screen that has got the wrong address on it. Okay, it says 1 Peter 2. It should say 2 Peter 1. Because now you're going to have fun afterwards. You're going to go and look up what 1 Peter 2 says, and it says something very different to what was up on the screen here. Just... But it, it illustrates this fact, this important thing that we do God's word together as a community. And so let's focus on 1 Peter, on 2 Peter chapter 1. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Savior. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. 
May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Lord, how grateful we are to serve the infinite God who gave us his word, who gave us his word to teach us that there is a way to be saved, to teach us that salvation is found in nobody but Jesus Christ, and to teach us the beauty and wonder of living a life in obedience to Jesus. Oh Lord, help us to change our hearts and our minds and our methods so that we will always be discovering more, more about our infinite and wonderful and life-changing God and the salvation that he brings. Lord, thank you for your word. May we be a people who live every day by it. May we be a people who are changed every day by it. And Lord, may, may you give us more and more grace and peace as we grow in our knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Thank you for your word. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.